Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshavah podcast series brought to you by Yisobloks.com. If you're enjoying this content, you can visit us at Yisobloks.com where you can subscribe and join our growing community, get access to all the Torah concepts we've been sharing here. We now have video capability. We're adding new content all the time, adding new series. We're going to start exploring other works, other books, uh, other Torah writings, in addition to all the general principles, uh, series, and episodes and and pieces that we're doing there. So check that out and uh, join us today and learn the Torah that you have been wondering about, hoping, dreaming of in the deepest recesses of your mind and your heart, that maybe actually there could be Torah out there that was so real, so profound, so integrated, so holistic, that instead of it just being a fragmented set of Dvar Torah ideas and just a lot of learning of halacha, there could actually be layers of depth underneath that bring this all to life and actually turn the machine on. So visit us there today and join us. Uh, we're in Siman Nun Gimel still, that's section 53 of the Shulchan Aruch, and every episode we explore a different halacha from the Shulchan Aruch, going through Orachaim, all the halachos of daily living. And the I, the the theme topic of Siman Nun Gimel is the concept of the Shaliyah Tzibor, the leader of a tefillah group, as we've been discussing over the last few episodes. And we're in the middle of Halacha Yudtes, the 19th Halacha in section 53. The second half of that, uh, we're going to explore that in this episode. Previous episode, we uh, explored the first half, which spoke about people who are gerim. Uh, and so in this episode, the, the, the Halacha says, Afilu yachid, even an individual person, yachol akev can stop the proceedings and say, He can say, I don't want such and so and so, this person who is appointed the Shaliyah Tzibur, I don't want him to be the Chazan, the visionary leader person of the Tefillah group. I don't want him to be the person who leads us. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's that's like an important thing to point out in the Shulchan Aruch's mind, because normally you'd think, well, if there's a whole group and everybody votes in favor of a certain person, so the majority should rule and that's it. But here it says that even an individual person can actually uh, protest that and say, I don't want this person to be the Shaliyah Tzibur. Uh, he says, As long as this person had not initially agreed, if the person initially had agreed and now is changing their mind, you know, sometime down the line, so now it's actually not going to work. In other words, since you agreed about him earlier, so uh, now to come later and 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 uh, and reject him is a problem. Now we're gonna we're gonna read a little further, but I, I want to remind you that this the, the surface level understanding of the halacha is just the doorway into the underlying dynamics and mechanics that are present here. So we're going to explore that in just one second. So then the Ashkenazi posik here adds a, be- a piece of information. He says, This individual has to have, the one who is rejecting the shaliyah tzibur, it's only true that he can reject him if he has a logical reason for what it is that he is doing. Al pi tovi'ir, that is risk that is acceptable by the people who are kind of like the leaders of the community. In other words, he can't. He has to present a case that is rational as to why he doesn't want this person to be the shaliach tibur. Without that kind of basis, an individual cannot just push off a shaliach tibur. Then he adds, "Vim who son o, if the shaliach tibur hates this person, so yachalimchos bo kodem sheiskim alav." Then then he can protest as long as long as he didn't agree first. Then he could protest him. Uh, and say, yeah, this guy hates me. I don't want him to be the leader of the tefillah group. And then it ends off also one last detail here, which is umisha who sona l'shaliach tzibur. There's a person who hates the shaliach tzibur. Lo yalel sefer Torah b'kishikor atochacha. He should not be a person who then gets an aliyah to the Torah to actually make brachos over the Torah uh, on days where you read the Torah in the in shul. 
So he should not get an aliyah during the reading of the Torah, the part that is the Tochacha, actually that's this week's Parsha, uh, in Parsha's Bufukosai, and the other Tochacha is in Parsha's Kitavo. So if you are somebody who hates the, the Shaliyah Tzibur, the Chazan, the person who's reading from the Torah, the person who's leading the community, uh, who's leading the Tefillah group, rather, so you should not get an aliyah. And so let's just explore what's going on here, because we have these two parts. We basically have um, a situation in which a person, one person uh, doesn't want somebody else to be the, the leader of the Tefillah group, um, and there's two options as to why that might be. Option one is because he has some kind of logical reason why this person should not be the leader. And option number two is that he hates him uh, or is hated by him or something. Although if he's hated by him, that could fit in option number one because that's the logical reason why he wouldn't want this person to be the Shaliyah or somebody who hates another person so should not be the leader of the Tefillah group. And that's actually the Mishnah Brewer here discusses some of the complexity of, well, different people hating each other, how this plays out. Um, but let's just dig a little carefully into what's underneath this. We can understand exactly the two parts here. And it seems kind of simple. It's like, well, you know, uh, if, if you if you have a logical reason why the Shaliyah Tzibor shouldn't, why this person should not be the Shaliyah Tzibor, then, uh, then that's all you really need. And if you, but if you, if, it, if it's not logical, if you actually have, if, if it's a personal grudge issue, then it becomes uh, much more complicated. So what I want to dig into here is just to explain exactly what the mechanics are of these two sides. In other words, having a logical issue with somebody else versus having some kind of emotional issue uh, where you're you hate them you dislike them you have resentment towards them so the Torah basically maps this out in what's called the the world of emotion in other words we've been discussing until now how we have these five layers of being within us which is basically there's like the world the world of perception and then there's the world of of, uh, of thought and the world of emotion and the world of physical practical application and behavior and physiology and so those are really five layers, even though it sounds like there are only four. We're not going to delve into why they're five right now, because one of them, two of them are kind of, uh, kind of covering two different areas. Um, but the point is right now is that the the way the Torah maps out how what how and what emotions are is emotions are basically a set of reactions, physiological expressions of perceptions that we have. Which means that if you have a perception of, if you have an emotional response to somebody, like let's say you get angry at someone, so the Torah says that that is actually a reaction, a result, it's, it's, it's a manifestation really, of your perception of that person. And that's a very key point here, because very often we experience negative emotion towards another person. We say, oh, why do I hate that person? Why do I have resentment or jealousy towards that person? Oh, because of them, because they do this, they do that. I don't like how they are. I don't like what they do. I don't like how they behave. And that's why I don't like them. That's why I dislike them. That's why I have, and, and, and that's, just, that's, a, that's a, simple, a simplistic way of saying, that's why I have emotional reactions to them that are negative in nature. And the issue with that is, is that the Torah actually articulates that the structure of how that comes to be is not that they're doing something that now makes you upset. It's that you actually have a perception of them in between. In other words, there's them doing the things that they're doing. There's you feeling the things that you're feeling. And then in between that, those two things is there's this gap where you have a, a set of lenses, a set of perceptual glasses, a pair, a set of deot, uh, perceptions that now are defining how you see that person, and that gives rise within you to the emotional response. And so once you have that that piece of information, that, that's how the Torah articulates the structure of emotional response to another person, so then you can now read this se'if in a slightly different light. In other words, there's really two different stories going on here. In the first story, so you have a person who's saying, I don't think this person should be the shaliyah or the leader of our tefillah group, the, the consciousness uh, con the, the person who has expanded consciousness and can now act as like a, 
almost like a funnel for all of our other, each of our different permutations of self. We can all, all look to that person and join together behind them in a consciousness exercise that's called tefillah, bitzibur. I, I, I don't think we, I, I can do that behind this person because this person has X, Y, or Z actual uh, issues in the way that they are that, are that are going to impede specifically that process. That's what the halachos of the earlier parts of this siman, this section of halacha, were about. The shaliyach tibur should be a certain age, a certain amount of wisdom, knowledge, a certain amount of development. And let's say you come and say, listen, like this shaliyach tibur does not have Torah knowledge. Uh, that, that's something which is unfortunately pretty common today. This shaliyach tibur does not have Torah knowledge. He might have a very nice singing voice, but he knows nothing about uh, the Hebrew language, tefillah, Torah, any of those things. And so I feel that is not a that, that is a that is an invalidating attribute in terms of his role as the tefillah b'tzibur leader. So that's a, that's a logical protest on its face that is based in halacha and is saying this is, some, this is an actual uh, a flaw that is, or something which is missing, which now undermines his capability of doing, of playing this role. So that is something which can be said. It's, it's an honest, true uh, assessment of somebody where there is no emotion present. If the person is making that kind of point and there's no emotion inter, intermingling with that, so then the halacha is that we can listen to him, and that's actually a valuable piece of feedback. Um, but let's look at the second half for, of, of the story, or the other, the other story that's present here. And that is a case where the person, let, let's use the overt example, where a person is overtly uh, either dislikes the shliach tibur, has had issues with him, political issues, which is just a synonym for ego issues. Uh, and so he basically does not want this person to be the shliach tibur because he, he hates him. Uh, and has some kind of grudge against him. So what does that look like on the inside? Well, structurally what's happening is, as opposed to the first example, where it's there's simply an assessment of the person from a distance. I can sit over here and I can say, without any involvement, it's not, it's not something that I'm emotionally involved in. Uh, instead, I just observe these things from a data place and I see this is the situation and therefore I feel it will impede the, the process of tefillah. But if I, if I have an emotional involvement, what does that mean? And listen to that phrase, emotional involvement. Emotional involvement, what's happening is I actually am now feeling things in myself as a result of how I see the other person. And the, the Torah basically describes this as what's happening is uh, you are experiencing emotion as a result of your perception, and your perception is one that now actually makes this about you. In other words, when you see somebody else having a certain flaw, and you have an emotional response to that, so that emotional response is the second part, right? In the first, the first story, you see somebody has a certain flaw. They're not, let's say they don't have Torah knowledge or something like that. Okay, but there's no emotional response. But in the second story, you see a flaw in the other person, and you still have an emotional response, you do have an emotional response. So what's the difference in the perception that you're using in the first versus the second case? So the Torah describes it as that in the second case, it's what's called kol ha-posel bemumo posel. Anybody who, who basically uh, invalidates another person, um, they're doing it from their, with their own shortcoming. That's actually true a little bit even in the first case, but basically the idea the Torah is stating there is that you only notice in other people the things in yourself that you notice in yourself. So you can only notice that somebody else doesn't have Torah knowledge if you see within yourself an understanding and awareness of your own Torah knowledge. In other words, if you know how much Torah knowledge you have to some degree, you know what it's like to not have Torah knowledge, then you can have a real measured way of seeing what's going on on their side. Similarly, 
you can only notice that somebody is someone that you dislike because, let's say, you say, oh, why is that person the person who got appointed to be in charge of the tefillah group? How come they get to have the power now to lead everybody? And, and in the back of your mind, maybe you feel resentment and you, like, you, you feel like you wanted to be the person who's doing that, who's leading the group. Uh, and so what's happening in the situation is that what, what, what you're feeling is you're perceiving something about them. You're saying, okay, I perceive this person now as being the leader and I think they shouldn't, I don't think they deserve that role. Now, you're, you're not doing it from a place of, of seeing a particular aspect or attribute of them. Instead, what's happening is you're saying, um, or, or you're saying this person, I don't think they should be in charge because why should they be in charge? I, I, I would rather be in charge. That's essentially what, what, what the structure of jealousy actually is. In other words, what happens inside of us, according to the Torah's map, is that when we feel emotional resentment towards somebody else, emotional anger, anything like that, what's actually happening is we are seeing in them things that we have inside ourselves, and we are now disliking them for supplanting us, in, in other words, or, or for being what it is that we wish that we could be, or any, any kind of thing like that, in which now there is personal involvement. In other words, now it's not just about that other person. I'm, I'm evaluating them from a distance, from a place of a gavura, of otherness, of distance from them. Instead, now there's an intermingling of my own issues with my assessment of that other person. And so when I see them doing a certain thing, when I see them leading the group, that triggers in me my own thoughts about myself in that area. Maybe, maybe my own feelings of, maybe maybe, I'm, maybe I, my das tovara, distorted perceptions, are overemphasizing my own uh, sense of inadequacy. That maybe I feel like I'm not really, like I, I'm not, I'm not, seen enough. Other people don't care about me enough in my community. People don't give me jobs that I want. Or people don't respect me. And so when I see somebody else getting respected, and that's then that that's then uh, put in my face in a very intense way, that now suddenly it's like, oh, that's 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 what a person who's who's respected looks like. And I know that person, and I say, well, that person they have this flaw and this flaw and this flaw. And I'm now and I start and I I now start noticing all these flaws that I think that they have. So what's really happening in my mind there is two things. It could even be that some of the flaws I'm seeing. And the other person are true, just like in story number one, I can actually have objectively true observations about the other person. But my emotional involvement in that storyline, in saying this person has that flaw and that flaw, why were they chosen? Look how flawed they are. All the flaws that I notice in that other person are flaws A that I actually am aware of in myself, and that I that I now that I that I generally try to pretend like I don't have them, and then I actually, when I see them in somebody else, that basically bothers me, because now I'm exposed to, well, that person has those flaws, and in the back of my mind, somewhere there's a voice echoing, I have those flaws too, and I never get chosen for any of these jobs, so how come that person gets chosen? And that's the actual underlying structure of jealousy and hatred, which is basically, when you look at somebody else, and you see something about them that you that you know exists in yourself in some form, and then you are, you are essentially jealous or, or or resentful. What you're really what you're what happens when you're jealous or resentful is you're basically seeing that the way that they are and the way that what they have, given their setup, you also have those those things. And you say, well, wh why did they have that circumstance and I don't have that? And so you start to basically connect your own circumstance to theirs in your perception, intermingling your sense of self with their existence. And now that creates this this inherent like uh, a, com a comparison dynamic where it's like, well. Well, like they're in my spot. When a, 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 in the first storyline, objectively, there's no such thing as that. Nobody can be in your spot. You have your storyline, your flaws, your struggles, your purpose here, and nobody can really ever take that away from you. That's just your world, and you have to basically look to the world around you and see where is there room for you to push to create more, to find more space for yourself, and where do you have to accept where how things are and actually try to just 
like be be whole in what it is that you have. And those are those are you know the the two different sides of the coin of living of of trying of of struggling of lo alecham lachalig more. Yeah, it's uh, It's like it, which means it's not upon you to finish the job, but it's also not upon you to like just not do anything. And that's that's that. Those are two paradoxical concepts that you have to try to become more, but also accept when you can't. And so that's your own life story. The other person having their role is separate from you, but we often entangle our own our own situations with somebody else's situation by starting, starting to look at them. And then our das, our perceptions, begin to distort. And suddenly, the way that we see them, we begin to perceive that as somehow related to us, and that their situation now is interconnected with ours. And then we start to experience emotional responses to that, because we say that person is now trying to interfere, to erase, to 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 uh, con- constrict me in some way. And that leads to emotional results, which essentially are, exp- are just expressions uh, in other words, it's not that not just that it leads to emotional results. The emotional results are simply the markers of that process, where you basically involve yourself perceptually in somebody else's space, thinking to yourself that that should be your space, and look at all the things that they have versus what you have, and then that then leads to emotional responses, which act as markers. In other words, if you feel like like what like what it says in the Shulchan Aruch here, if you feel like you hate a person in your community, you have resentments, people, other people irritate you. That means that in underneath you are emotionally involved with that person, which means you are perceptually entangled with that person in your mind and you do not have enough distance enough gvura between you and them and you see them as sort of like a part of you it's also this is also true in families that's why there's so much resentment in families because people are so entangled with each other because there's so much overlap and so so little bound so few boundaries in families because we live in the same house all the time we each each, like we're in each other's spaces constantly so it creates a dynamic intrinsically of entanglement, which then gives rise to emotional responses, intense emotional reactions, as a result of the perceptions of entanglement. And we really, you know, parents have this with kids. It's very easy to have that. It's like you view your child as just a part of you. So that's the ultimate entanglement. And then there's all kinds of resentment when your child doesn't do what you say, when they don't follow the job path that you want, or you pick your your classic example. What's happening then is the parent is reacting from a per- place of personal involvement on the level of their own self with their child's separate life. Not, and failing to recognize that there is separate existence for each of us and that somebody else's life is not your life. And while we need, while we can try to, it's, it's important sometimes to be involved in other people's lives. Once you start having resentful emotional reactions, that means that now you are entangled in that other person's space in, a, in, in your own world of perception in a way that now is distorting things and making these emotional reactions. That's really the second half of this. That's how, in general, sinna hatred works that way, where there is personal involvement on the perceptual level, which then leads to emotional involvement on the, on the emotional level. Uh, and that's the second half of this story. A lot more to say about this. I feel like we really only scratch the surface of this issue because uh, the dynamic side of it, how, how it works on the perception side, and there's so much more to talk about with Eitz Adas here, but that's basically the short version of this for this episode and for this halacha. And we will continue with the next halacha, halacha chaf, in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope that was somewhat clarifying that you enjoyed that and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.